Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brother Cousins podcast. Today, we are giving you episode 79, which is the third of what is to be about nine episodes or so where we explore some of the take heed or watch out sayings of Jesus that are found in the Gospels. So uh, if you missed out episode 77 and 78, we talked about not doing your deeds to be seen of men. Episode 78, we talked about uh, not despising these little ones and we unfolded the context there. We're going to continue that theme today. Episode 79, talking about take heed to yourselves and beware unforgiveness. So this is a a topic that we're all pretty passionate about because it's vitally important to having a healthy body of Christ, healthy relationships within your family, your friends. And I think, frankly, guys, I think just because being a forgiving person is so different than the way that our culture is trending, that it's a way that we can really witness for Christ if we exhibit a heart of forgiveness toward others. I mean, have you guys noticed that in the culture at large, how that grace and forgiveness and mercy kind of used to be important, but they're now seen as a vice and not a virtue? I would say largely yes. And and it's a general turn in society where what we forgive are things that are not repented of lifestyles and, and decisions that are part of the, Oh, the behavior de jure that's been deemed acceptable. And they're really the Isaiah five type mentality that our society has come to adopt where we call evil, good and good evil. And, mm-hmm. and the most unforgivable thing that we see in our society is having an idea that differs from someone else. Right. And we, I, I would say, yeah, we're, we're just generally taught, this idea of unforgiveness for someone that doesn't line up perfectly with you ideologically and and neatly into a box that someone else has determined is where we need to be. And that's so counter to what we see in the gospel and the, the point purpose of the gospel and what the gospel should produce in Christians. And so I think you're right. I think this is a, a timely topic um, and when you take that idea paired with the premise that we've given these episodes, anytime Jesus says you better watch out, it behooves you to do it, then we've got a really good reason to be considering this topic. Yeah, it's really this idea of there are things that maybe somebody could do or be accused of nowadays that don't even merit a second glance. I mean, such as adultery, which in decades gone by you know if you stepped out on your spouse like it was a big deal and there was a lot of stigma associated with that but nowadays if someone i think we typically tend to see this in the celebrity world if somebody steps out on their spouse it's not that there's like well we know that was wrong but we forgive you it's like who cares like it doesn't even matter anymore it's not a big deal but then if someone as you said maybe takes a stand. And you said, Jared, is when you have an idea that's different than someone, I think it's not quite that. I think it's maybe a finer point to put on is to espouse an idea that in any way judges or condemns another person or their idea, right? A worldview that's challenging to the mainstream. That is unforgivable. And there are people who will come forward, like they'll 
get in trouble for something that they posted online 10 years ago and they'll come out with an apology and it seemingly doesn't even matter. Like they still get canned from their job and they still get canceled in the, in the press. And there's just like no forgiveness. So like people can do something that's really wrong and nobody even says, well, I forgive you. This is what didn't matter. And you can just simply differ and get totally devoured by the woke monster. Right. And you know, I, go ahead, Jeffrey. No, you go ahead. I'll, I'll have something to add after you. I was just going to say it, it's, it just seems to have turned everything that we learned on its head. And when you pair this with ideas, like we talked about in, in previous episodes, this idea of being a good boy, being easy to get along with and so forth. And forgiveness even doesn't factor into that stuff, at least in the way our society would present it. You just, you don't care. Um, and and so we we hold these ideas and maybe do a little foreshadowing here for what we're going to talk about. But you hear all the time in the secular world, people don't change. And so these ideas where morality should be involved, we offend, genuinely trespass against one another. It doesn't matter. And even if it does matter to us, you just write that person off and you move on with your life. Um, we've we've become a throwaway society, even in our relationships, it seems like. And that's just not not what we see in Christianity, as we'll get into as we launch upon this topic. You know, I'm I'm going to disagree with you guys just a little bit. Um, and, and it may be kind of a, a nuanced thing here. I think that it is ever before our face in the way that our society is going. And we are experiencing the the forgiveness paradigm, if you will, within our society. But I think that humans have historically had a very difficult time truly forgiving other people. Uh, I mean, you look back into the scriptures, people of God, like Saul, who allowed his bitterness to deepen with time against David um, to a, a very pathological level and i think we see examples of this lack of forgiveness or this inability to forgive in multiple ways throughout history and so i'm not i'm not willing to say that this is a new phenomenon or a worsening phenomenon but rather we're just experiencing the 2023 version within the american society of this but but the where I do agree with you guys is that forgiveness is one of those characteristics that we can take on that is a characteristic of God, and it should set us apart from society. However, I will say that one of the reasons that this is so timely is that it's a difficult thing to do. Whenever someone has truly wronged you, it is difficult to forgive them, and to continue forgiving them. And I'm going to point to kind of a societal thought process, you know, the fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And I think that that summarizes a lot of people's view of forgiveness is, you know, you get one shot with me, and if you mess up, I'll forgive you once. But from then on, that's my fault. I shouldn't have been tricked by you, which is very different than, what Jesus teaches in the text that we're going to study this evening in Luke chapter 17. 
Yep, that's a good point, Jeffrey. I think the the reason that God compels us to forgive is because it is it's a divine quality and not a human quality, generally speaking. And I think we are seeing probably the reason that we're feeling like things have changed is because we're looking at 21st century post-Christian America. And that's why it's so sharp right now. Yeah, I would say, Jeffrey, generally, I'm going to agree as, as you're aware, we talk enough, you know, to know that there's there's none of this stuff that we encounter that's new to us. While we think we're super progressive and, and super advanced, maybe if nothing else, because of the technology we can get our hands on, human behavior is, is human behavior and our fallenness and Satan's abilities to corrupt us haven't changed. Um, you know, like I said, that Isaiah 5 type mentality where society is just flipped completely upside down. And we've, we've kind of talked about Jesus's view of forgiveness. And this actually is going to tie in really well to where we left off last week, because in Luke, these teachings are kind of put together. It's a condensed version of what Matthew records from Jesus and so we have Jesus' teaching on offending a little one in Luke 17, 1 and 2. And then he goes on in verse 3 and says, pay attention to yourselves. Or in the King James, it says, take heed and beware. Pay attention to yourselves. If a brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And so that hits this range of topics that we use to set up where we're going to go this evening and kind of lets us work off of last week's episode where we talked about causing offense and being aware of when we're doing that. And I don't, obviously it's not an accident that Jesus teaches these things together. He actually does the same thing in Matthew chapter 18 it's just an expanded view. Matthew records a little more of what Jesus says. And so we have these ideas being together. We need to be aware of offenses, but we also need to be ready to forgive and have this attitude of forgiveness. Yeah. So this idea that Jesus teaches here is about the context, right, is is a relationship. It's someone that you've got a relationship with, someone that you consider to be a kinsman, right? We could say maybe this is a family member. Maybe this is a member of our church congregation, right? Uh, I don't think it's exclusively within the church if your brother sins. I think this is person in general, right? Um, that Jesus says that we should tell them what happened which there's a lot of people who would just, you know, not do that. It's, and I think maybe one of the reasons that people choose to just stay in a state of unforgiveness is because it's more difficult to actually face the person and say what they want to say. Instead, it's easier just to stew. You know, <laughs> I don't know if y'all have ever had that happen. Yeah. And I definitely have. That's a real problem here. We, and we can get into the various parables and teachings that Jesus had on forgiveness because they were plenty plentiful. One of those is the servant 
who was given freedom by his master of a debt that he could not repay. And then he turns and will not forgive a pittance of what he was forgiven. I mean, it's nothing. And he, he held unforgiveness because it gave him something where he could lord over somebody and something we can hold against somebody. And, and especially, well, no, not especially we, we, kind of seek that power and anywhere we get power, we tend to hold on to it and having something wherein we, someone needs our forgiveness gives us a power over them. Yeah. So for those scoring at home, that, that teaching about forgiveness is Matthew 18, where we spent a lot of time last time. That's Matthew 18, 28, uh, the parable of the ungrateful servant or however you want. Uh, to describe that but yeah that's it's again part of that condensed block of teaching which Luke records a different way and when you think about some of the things that I have been angry about maybe you have some things that you got angry about in the past and you look back on it and you think man that was so maybe childish or it, it was not a big deal or now you would just tell the person, Hey, what's going on with that? And then in, in contrast to the enormity of our sin against a perfect God, who's never wronged us. And we get mad about the silliest things. And so as we catch, go ahead, Jeffrey. Well, and I think Christopher, that, that you're leaning into an aspect of this, that's important to recognize. And I think it's taught. Jesus teaches it with a parable whenever he's in the Pharisee Simon's house. And that is our perspective of the magnitude of sin. So in that situation, Jesus comes into the house of a Pharisee and he's talking to Jesus, asking him questions. And a lady comes in who is a notorious sinner and she is weeping so bitterly that she is able to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair, which is a tremendous amount of tears. And the Pharisee, Simon, he thinks in his mind, you know, this guy can't be a prophet. Otherwise, he wouldn't let this lady touch him. And that's when Jesus teaches Simon this parable of two different people who owe two severely different debts, you know, the equivalent of 18 months of labor versus like a month and a half of labor. But the point that he says is neither one of them can repay the debt. And he then asks, who's going to love the lender more for forgiving them? And Simon says, rightly, it's the one who had more to be forgiven of. And, you know, Jesus ends up forgiving this woman, but there's this perceived magnitude where if Jesus would have asked Simon, who are you in this situation? I don't think Simon probably saw himself as either one of the people who had the debt. But no it was obvious that but it's obvious that the woman would have probably recognized herself as the one with the very severe debt. And the reason I bring this up is that, you know, whenever we fail to see the magnitude of the sin that we've committed against God and we see ourselves as these good Christian people um, or these good followers that we don't really, I think there's this unsaid thought process sometimes 
we don't need Jesus as much as that person does. When in reality, we owe a debt that we couldn't repay, period. But whenever we fail to see that magnitude, and then we become the unforgiving servant because someone else has said something bad about us, or they have done something that offends us, you know, that is a magnitude that is, you know, so heavy on us that we see red and we have bitterness in our hearts and so on. And we become that unforgiving service. And so I think that the magnitude perspective here really comes into play. It it does. And, you know, our, our perspective shapes our reality, shapes our, how we understand reality. Not that reality bends around what we understand, but it, it changes how we see the world. And as we talk about this, you know, we've, we've already mentioned that this is one of the warnings of Jesus and how important it is, how it is a, a place for us to demonstrate our discipleship to Jesus. But there's a point that I think we, we need to bring in, and that's that Jesus shows us the imperative, gives us the truth about who God is in Matthew 6, verse 14. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this is coming immediately on the hills of Matthew's recording of the Lord teaching them to pray, what we deem or, or call the Lord's Prayer. So in this prayer, he's, he's teaching them how to pray. And in that, he says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. He ends the teaching and immediately follows that with, if you do not forgive men, they will not, your heavenly father will not forgive you. And so not, not only is this important, it's not one of those things, well, this is a nice way to be. This is imperative to your walk with God. And it's so important in Mark's recording of that in Mark 11, Jesus says, Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So Jesus brings it right down to every time you're praying, forgive. Yeah, Jared. Um, and Jesus does that many times where he, he points to this idea that not only do we have the responsibility for our own sake, um, to forgive people, you know, so that we can be forgiven. But he also then will lend itself in some teachings about some of the bitterness that can infect us. And so it's like a compounding sin, if you will, where, you know, if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. But there's this continuation of this sinful effect where we have these bitter thoughts, where we have striving, where we have malice, in our minds, outbursts of wrath, all of these things that are pointed to in, in passion, passages like Colossians 3 that are starting to take over our heart because we opened it up to a heart of unforgiveness. And so that's why I believe it's so imperative that Jesus says it many times, take heed. And that's kind of the series here is take heed, take heed, take heed. And one of the things we need to take heed of is having that unforgiving heart and opening up our heart to this root of bitterness that can take place. 
Yeah, I think, Jeffrey, you hit on something really important there. And that's in uh, Ephesians chapter four, where we'll probably spend a little bit of time. And the command is about our anger. Ephesians 4, 26 says, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Whenever we harbor anger and we nurse anger and we give it a place to incubate, it's essentially just opening up a little door for the devil to attack you and exploit your vulnerability. And we, I mean, I, I struggle enough with other stuff without giving the devil an open door to like attack me. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, I've confessed to you guys some of the anger issues that I've had, you know, over the course of the last few years, um, you know, it, it was pretty drastic about a year and a half, two years ago. And I recognize a lot of these passages now mean a lot more to me um, because I really saw how it can traverse so quickly and how it can take over your heart and mind so quickly. And and I feel like I experienced a glimmer of what Saul did whenever he hated David so much. You know, I wasn't actively throwing spears in anybody, but I can't say that I wasn't throwing word spears in word form towards people or bad looks at people. And so, you know, it may not have been as physical of a manifestation, but it was still a heart problem there. Yeah, the same heart that moves the hand to throw the spear moves the mouth to say the word. I, yeah, it's the same mechanism. We, we do what we think we can get by with. And Saul could get by with that. We can get by with snarky comments or, you know, nasty, nasty captions on Facebook or whatever we want. You know, we feel like we can get by with it. It's the same heart. So we, we've spent some time kind of developing this idea of the reason it's important. And, and I think that matters because when you see a society that is so unwilling to forgive, what we have lost is the idea of why it matters to begin with. So we've, we've developed that thought process. Another thing we see in our society, and this is a debate that has gone on as far back as I can remember teaching about it. And, and in fact, from the time I was a little kid sitting in the pew at Stratford to very recently to some of the most recent sermons I've heard about forgiveness is this debate about what it means to forgive. And I think the passages we've considered, Matthew 18, Luke 17, bear this out in what our desire should be. And it gives us a teaching that let's just be honest in, in situations where we've received damage and harm, they're, they're tough to follow. This is a difficult topic because it's a difficult standard. And I think that's why Jesus spends so much time teaching about it. But like we talked last week, our, our goal should be about the body of Christ. It's the same thing here in the teaching in Matthew. When he talks about this, he, he says, go and tell it to your brother. If he hears thee, you have gained your brother. And so like we set up at the beginning of the episode, we've got to have this idea in mind where the desired result is reconciliation, where we release the person from the, figurative debt that they owe us or the, the 
transcendent debt because it's it's not figurative. That's not a fair thing to call it, but it's it's not something they can repay. But we still try to make people pay it. So it's a transcendent debt, and we release them with the purpose of trying to reconcile the relationship. And there's a lot to that that we won't have time to get into, but there's some principles given that we can provide to people because it's in the scripture that help us bear this goal in mind and also help us down the path of getting this mindset right so that we can forgive and be forgiven by our God. So Jared, let's, let's dig into this a little bit because it is something that I've heard talked about a lot. And I just want to be explicitly clear on exactly what it means to forgive, you know, cause I know that there are a lot of people that I have talked to. I mean, I've even had experience with this of, you know, it's difficult to forgive somebody. And, and I think sometimes the difficulty is we don't truly understand what forgiveness is. You know, you hear people say things like forgive and forget. And right. so there are some people who kind of pair those two together so closely of, you know, I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to forget what you did to me. Those right. types of things. So let's dig into exactly what you mean by forgiveness, because I think you were hinting at that. So what does it mean to forgive somebody? The the only way I've ever come to really have a good defi- definition of it is by the things I've found in scriptures. And because you can you can go to Webster's, you can go to dictionary.com, you can look for things that provide quote unquote definitions, but what we want to get at is what God wants. I don't want to know what a word means. I want to know what God wants, right? That's what we're looking for. And so in that, I go to places like Ephesians four, like Colossians three, and there's a standard given that is really difficult. Um, so Colossians three, Let's just begin in verse 12 there. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So what I have found may be helpful and exceedingly demanding is to examine forgiveness in the light of How do I expect Christ to forgive me? And what is my expectation of forgiveness from God? And how has Christ shown me what forgiveness looks like? So I want to back up from that a little bit and and let's discuss what you guys see there. And, And Jeffrey, if you have something, an easy definition that you can lay out, that's just my mindset as I explore this topic. The imperative given to us is as Christ forgave you. Uh, And I think that that's a very good summarized definition of it, you know, but as we dig into this and we push into this topic a bit deeper, I think that one big idea that we need to think about is the forgetfulness aspect. And you touched on it earlier whenever you said that we no longer hold it against somebody. Because that there's the there's a difference there that I think we need to pay attention to. Whenever you forgive somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean you forget that the things transpired. But what it does mean 
is that you no longer hold it against them in a way that you expect them to pay that debt back. You no longer want you you no longer seek vengeance against them because of the things that they committed against you. Right. You no longer when you look at them, you may remember the things that they did, but you no longer have any type of bitterness or ill will towards them because of that. That's the things that I'm digging into here. You know, it it's I think it's almost impossible to just completely forget some yes. of the horrific things that some people may commit against other people. But it is possible to no longer wish them to be punished for it. So here's a hard truth. And, and it's something I still grapple with, though. I think I can see and understand the truth. And, and this kind of is what helped me develop the mindset about what love is, because I think these two are tied together. When we learn to love, we'll learn to forgive. But to forgive the way I need to, it means that I reset the scale and am now open to hurt again. Not that I'm necessarily going to allow that person to hurt me in the same way. And and I want to back up and talk about that again, because that needs clarification. But if we're leaving the door shut to somebody we are not allowing room for repentance and we are not forgiving the way we've been forgiven. And I think giving the antithesis of forgiveness helps us maybe define it a little better, give it a little clearer definition. So Jared, you talk about opening that door to hurt and you said, but not maybe necessarily getting them, you know, allowing them the ability to hurt you the same way. So there's also a kind of another facet of this, which is trust. You know, when someone commits a breach against us, whether it's a friend who, you know, just lets us down or whether it's a spouse who's unfaithful or whether it's someone who just steals from us or or betrays a a sacred trust. there's There's a sense in which maybe, you know, we need to forgive that and to not hold that against them and not wish that they be punished for that. But there's also this paradox because in the back of our mind, there, there may be a concern and it may be legitimate that they are going to do this thing again. And, you know, how do we reconcile that idea with grace and forgiveness with, it doesn't mean that they immediately get trust back because, I mean, I think that trust is something that, is gained over time as we determine that a person's repentance was legitimate. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think I would, would kind of turn it this way a little bit. If there has been, and and I guess I should provide the context for Matthew 18 a little bit as Matthew gives an expanded look at this. If someone is, someone is unwilling to repent. Mm -hmm. If they are not willing to acknowledge the trespass, then we are to hold that person as a heathen. They they are losing rights in the body of Christ. So this is something that's serious. And if something is that serious, that means there's a sin problem. Yeah. And our desire, if we keep this teaching with the context, is that we do not put temptations in front of our brothers and sisters. We do not cause sin. 
we do not enable sin. And again, I, I, I tie these ideas real closely with love because a lot of love is what's requ- required here. And while we forgive someone and we don't hold the debt against them, our desire is still to gain our brother. And we do not gain our brother by putting them in a situation where we know they have a struggle. There's no win there. We're trying, we're allowing ourselves to be hurt in a way where we have set, made provision for the flesh, as it were. And it's almost like we're entrapping people instead of providing a place where they we can all rejoice in the truth of God they can seek true repentance and we can grow and learn and build together on this life. And I'm not trying to make them earn my trust again. I'm, I'm trying to help them not be in the situation where I can see there's a problem. Jared, I, I think that that's a good distinction. You know, as we come back to our text in Luke 17, it doesn't just say take heed and you know, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. But it goes on to say that if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive them. There's an aspect there that, you know, as we compare it to the forgiveness that God has given us, God has a severe advantage over us in a couple of different ways. Number one, his love is so overwhelming that it's difficult for us to fathom. And he, his love is such that he seeks reconciliation with us at all costs. And he, he proved that by sending Jesus. The other thing that really sets him apart from us is that he has the ability to know people's hearts. We can't. And that's where I think that this passage comes into play and what you're talking about comes into play is that we can forgive someone whether they repent or not, I believe. Yes. But if they repent. Absolutely. Then we have the responsibility, it says here, obviously to forgive them. Yep. And if they sin against us seven times in a day and, you know, they, you know, somebody slaps us and they say, I'm sorry. And then they slap us again and they say, I'm sorry. And they do it five more times and they say, I'm sorry every time. You know, they're breaking our trust every single time. We're open, and we've opened ourselves up to the hurt that you've talked about, Jared, in allowing ourselves the potential to be slapped again. But, you know, each time we're probably flinching a little bit more. We're probably bringing our, our face back a little bit because we're not seeing the fruits of repentance. And, and that's what I think this is boiling down to, Christopher, is there's going to be an aspect that it's going to be difficult to trust people. But as a brother or sister in Christ, we have a devotion and a love for them that we want to help them succeed. And so we may be weary, but we may also be trying to help them understand love, help them understand forgiveness, but then also be looking for the fruits of repentance. Like maybe the seventh slap wasn't quite as hard as the first slap. (laughs) And in that, there's some growth. And then our brother is helping. But each time we're able to reconcile with them and continue moving forward. And that's really easy whenever we're talking about something as so small 
as getting slapped in the face as maybe some of the other deeper, more complex issues. But I think that it is transferable. It's just a lot harder, which is why I believe in the next few passages, the disciples say, increase our faith. Mm -hmm. Because this is such a difficult thing. Yeah, I I think it's important to, to make the distinction here, Jeffrey, that you're talking about is, you know, whenever there is a hurt that happens between two people, it's not just one person that's involved, it's two. And they're each going to have different response to that. And I think that their response to your point, Jared, about, you know, the context of, you know, the body of Christ and wanting restorations, someone acknowledges the fault and said, yeah, I messed up. I would, and I would, you know, like to repent, you know, I want to make that right. I am regretful is that, you know, you're going to have a different relationship than the person who says, I didn't do anything to you. You need to get over it. You know, someone who might say, well, you're the one who did this, or this is your fault instead. And we can absolutely forgive someone who hasn't repented because that, that just releases us from the bitterness and negativity that comes along with harboring that place, harboring that in our heart. And, and so what we can do is we can, protect ourselves from that bitterness. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the cure for bitterness. And in a situation like that, it may mean that the the relationship isn't ready to be healed yet. And I think that what the, um, what the forgiveness and the repentance does is that facilitates the renewed relationship. Right. And, and there are commands. This, what we've read in Colossians, what we look at in Ephesians is a command across the body. And what we see in Luke 17, what we see in Matthew 18 is a desire of reconciled relationships. We can go to second Corinthians five and see that we are ambassadors of reconciliation. And when that reconciliation won't be had, we see a trespass, not against us, but against he who redeemed us. And, there's a problem here and and to keep our mindset right. And, and the, we're giving a lot of really high ideas and, and very spiritual ideas. And so I want to caveat what we're talking about here with Galatians six and one, where Paul says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Mm-hmm. And so with this idea of restoration, Paul says the spiritual, those who are established are the ones who do the restoring. And so as we work through this, and I don't know what range of spirituality and and where people are in their walks with Christ as they're listening to this episode, but there are going to be things that are just flat over our heads that we have to have help. Yeah. And that principle is not lost on God and that provision is made within the body. And it's it's given in the ideas where we're told to forgive if, if this is over your head, go get spiritual people involved and seek this reconciliation. Yeah, I think that's good counsel and you know like we talked in the last episode about the backpack, you know, forgiving a a major trespass may be too heavy for something for a new Christian to carry in their backpack. 
but maybe somebody can help them or lighten it, you know, or, or offer some guidance. I, I think that the, the analogy still sticks. Yep. But, and when we bring this back to Ephesians four, Colossians three, these ideas, again, these are commands given across the body. This is not individual Christianity. And so we are doing these things together. And as a body where I am failing, okay, let's, I'm right-handed. Now I, I am slightly ambidextrous. I can do a lot of things with my left hand, but if I've injured my right hand, my left hand picks up the slack and my body keeps doing what it needs to do so that I can function as a body. And it's that way in the body of Christ for us, where if I have a shortcoming, if I have a failing and I can acknowledge that failing, it works beautifully when we do it this way. If I can acknowledge that failing and lean on the body to help make up what I'm lacking, God is glorified. And, and I want to carry that thought across to this idea of forgiveness and reconciliation, restoration of relationships. When we can do this in areas where we're hurt, we talked about silly examples because it's, it's, there are just too many real things in life for us to get into real, real examples where we're deeply wounded. But when we can forgive those things and re relationships can be reconciled, God is glorified in a way that Satan cannot speak against. Because the world wants to go, people don't change, and you shouldn't forgive them. And in Christ, we're equipped to forgive we're expected to forgive, and it all begins with the forgiveness that Jesus gave. And Jerry, you know, you Jer just, uh, I'd like I'd like to interject here for could Jeffrey, Jared, you made a point I've never ever considered. Is that let's well, take a situation where there's someone who commits a grievous sin, and the whole body knows about it, and it was against maybe one person in the church in particular, and that person. They need to be restored to the body of Christ. And it may be that the person that they hurt doesn't need to be the first relationship that gets restored. There are probably going to be other people who need to come alongside that person and help restore them like the Galatians 6, 1 and get them reintegrated into the body and get them stable. And as they become part of the body again, over time, the person who is bearing the hurt that they committed can then build into that scaffolding as well. I, that's a picture I had never thought about. So I, I just want to thank you for bringing that up, uh, Jeffrey. Well, and a couple of things. Number one, Christopher, I've seen that happen. Yeah. Um, where, you know, other people had to help this person grow and there were some other people who had withheld their forgiveness unfortunately but they needed some time and growth but i will also tell you from experience how humbling it is but also how helpful it is to confess your fault you know we often think about confessing our faults in the context of confessing to our brethren you know about a pornography issue or about lying or about anything like that but a fault that needs to be confessed and that we need help with is this inability to forgive and being able to go to a brother and say i am struggling with forgiving this person and i need you to help me is a humbling experience 
but it's one of those that God wants us to lean upon each other and help each other grow because it is hard. And that's why the disciples said, teach us how to do this, increase our faith so that we can truly obey and have the type of faith that helps us to continually forgive, even when somebody continues slapping us in the face. Yeah, when when Jesus gave the example of seven times, Peter tried to put the period on it. I mean, he was going to stamp that in stone seven times. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 you're not getting it. Let's go 70 times seven. And that's 10 times completeness times completeness. So, you know, we would just, we would say infinity. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that standard seems impossible to us. But there's a lot of teaching in Ephesians that seems impossible to us. You know, I love the book. And in that, as Christ is talking about things that are impossible individually and things that are impossible for humanity and what God makes up in us to do that, one of the things is knowing the fullness of God's love. And it's it's no accident that he teaches about knowing that fullness in chapter two and carries that forward to forgiving one another, having humility of mind and putting the needs of our family of God in front of ourselves because we need to know that fullness of God's love in order for us to do this. And, and part of that is us having the ability to say, I need help. Yeah. I think Paul recognized that as a very real danger. You know, in first Corinthians, Paul pronounces harsh judgment upon a man who had effectively bedded his stepmother. Right. And he says that they need to be put out. So they'll repent. And in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 5, he says, Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. And so in this process, even when someone has messed up and it's been public and ugly and nasty and messy, when they come back, it's our job to open that door and to forgive because it's about the restoration of a, of a human being back to their Lord Christ. And, and it's a very much like we talked about last time, that's a way that we can slam the, the door in someone's face. Sure. They may repent, but man, if nobody in the church gives them a second chance, well, you think they're going to stick around? I don't. I've and, seen that. You know, as psychology looks at thing doing difficult things, and this is something we've talked about in previous episodes, we need the why, right? We we need the why to do this. Things that are hard have got to have a really good why. This is no different. And this has two really solid whys, I guess, that kind of feed into each other. Number one is that there's a soul here that Christ died for. And this feeds off of the parable he gave in Matthew 18 of the lost sheep that the shepherd left the flock for to go find and demonstrates us to us the value there. And so Jesus was willing to die to save sinners. And we were in that group until we, he mended us. And then on top of that, our desire as a follower of Christ, as Christ lives in us, is to glorify God. And there is nothing that glorifies God quite so much as impossible situations and finding reconciliation, genuine reconciliation and forgiveness 
where the world cannot comprehend it because the world cannot comprehend the forgiveness that Christ gives us. So there's your why. And and I encourage you study this out more. There's so much that we can't get into. And I hope what we've done this evening is give you the imperative of why it's so important and then provide you some tools and the places where those tools can be found in God's word. One more thing on the why, and this is going to be kind of a selfish why, I think, you know, the two that you brought, I think are, are the most important, but we have warnings to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. Right. And kind of the selfish why is to prevent your own soul from being corrupted, prevent your heart from being corrupted. Because as, as we've alluded to in this episode, there's, there's a bitterness and hatred that can come with lack of forgiveness that corrupts your soul and endangers your eternal, your eternity with Christ and with God. And so um, I think that we need to we need to think about that as we face whether or not we have forgiven somebody and whether or not we have allowed a root of bitterness to take place and grow. You know, we, we've talked about a lot of practical things. Um, I feel like in this episode, we, we've we've bounced around quite a bit. But, you know, we, we've talked about recognizing the magnitude of our sin against God. Um, and recognizing that the sin that somebody committed against us is is not as severe because we're not the creator of the universe. Right. Um, and we're not perfect. We, we, and we're not perfect. You're exactly right. We, we've talked about the need to confess our difficulty forgiving others to other people so that somebody else can help us bear that burden and teach us how to do that in a way that's going to bring glory to God. Um, we we talked about some of the distinctions of forget ver, forgetting versus not holding against. Um, there there's a lot to this, uh, and I think that there are phases of of growth here that is going to be helpful for people because I know that it's been helpful for me. And I'm not sitting here saying that I am perfect at forgiving people. Uh, I, I struggle with it still, but I know that through some of my experiences and struggles and forgiving others, that some of these practical things that we talked about can be very powerful and can can cleanse your own spirit and bring about a reconciliation, not just with a brother, but my reconciliation with God and his his kingdom is glorified in that. Yeah, I'd say that's a really good summary. Of, of what we've done. And again, I encourage you to, to take the things we've talked about and study them out. And I don't know that you can study it too much. And so that would be my encouragement as we wrap this episode, as always, guys, we appreciate you listening, taking the time. We've actually gone a little over what we plan to go this episode. And I think we could have gone on another hour, but we, we do appreciate you listening. If it's been an encouragement to you, we ask that you share it with someone and give us a, a like or a rating on whatever podcast service you use. As is our tradition, we're going to pray it out, and it's actually Jeffrey's week to do that for us. So. Our Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you, seeking you to teach us how to love like you love. We know that it's that love that drives the forgiveness the reconciliation that we have through Jesus. 
because we know that you sent you loved us so much that you sent your son to die. You gave up a piece of yourself to die so that we could be reconciled and have a relationship with you. Lord, we pray that we will be able to love others like you have loved us, that we will be able to give up parts of ourselves such as anger and pride to seek reconciliation with others. Lord, we pray that you'll increase our faith in a way that this can be done. We pray that you will open our hearts and minds to be convicted by your teachings about forgiving others 70 times 7 or forgiving otherwise we can't be forgiven. Allow that to penetrate us in a way that pricks us to action. Don't let us stifle the conviction of your word. We pray that we can be forgiving people. We pray that you'll constantly remind us to lean upon our brothers and sisters in times where it's difficult to forgive others. We pray that you'll help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.